You want me to go up there? Oh, okay. Thank you. Well, I want to say thank you for having me. Um, Brother Andrew, Sister Cheryl. Well, I keep saying brother, but he's a pastor. It's hard because I just, we've known each other for so long, and I've just said that because he is my brother. Um, and she is my sister. So thank you. I was really excited when he gave me the call to ask me to come to be with you on Freedom Sunday. Unfortunately, I couldn't come that, that time because I actually went to Cape Town, South Africa. So this is actually last night was the first night I actually slept through the night. So yay, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> um, and the reason I went is because with World Venture, as uh, Cheryl mentioned, I'm the global director of anti-sex trafficking initiatives. And from this little place in Portland, Oregon, God has sent me there. That's where, my, that's where I have my work, but I'm actually helping to, uh, World Venture to build a global team. And we have over 500 missionaries in 63 different countries, and we meet by region. And so we went to Cape Town. It was for the missionaries where our missionaries that are in Africa met. It was really to pour into them because missionaries, they are out of their culture. They are helping in these dark areas, and they need pouring into. And we knew that, especially the directors over Africa, knew that they just needed a time to rest, not to work, but to rest. And so we were there, and they invited me to come because the fact is this issue of human trafficking, sex trafficking, is a global issue. And I went to meet with the missionaries just to learn about what's happening in their area and how I could help through World Venture to resource them, hear what is going on in their communities. With World Venture, our traditional uh, missions and missionaries are church planners, evangelists, uh, theologians. And the fact is, no matter what community you're in, you will find some portion of sex trafficking and exploitation or human trafficking, human ex um, exploitation. So, again, thank you for having me. Um, I love this picture with World Venture where it says, I'm a daughter of God. I am not a commodity. And even if you do not know Christ, you in inherently know if you are out there and you are being sold and your body's being sold, whether it's human trafficking, which could be the form of servant, um, just uh, servitude or labor trafficking to the fact of using the own body for sex, you know you're not made for that. That is not how God designed us. Um, so I just like showing that picture because that's what we're breaking. I know some churches, but free Methodists, you have it. The fact is, it is about slavery should not exist. There are some churches when we say ju justice, they're like, oh, that's not where the church should be. But the fact is, died, God, Christ died for all of us on the cross. All of us are in sin. This is a dark issue area that we as the church need to be to shed the light. So next slide. Okay, so when I got started in this issue area, the scripture that God gave me is this, John 10.10. 10. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. When you look at this issue of human trafficking, you see the darkness. He is robbing people, whether it's a victim, a child, a girl, boy, woman, man, to the pimp, the trafficker. These are people that are being stolen from God's kingdom. They all need Christ. And that, I love the, the latter part of that scripture, that he came, that we would have life and have it to the full. And as what was mentioned in the video, is this is an attack on the image of God, period. The devil wants to taint the image. But we have to know, we have a role to play to say, no, that's not how God designed us. That is not the image of God. So we need to be there. Next slide. So I want to start um, with the definitions. And you can put both definitions up. Um, 
sex trafficking and exploitation. What is it? Oftentimes when I say I work in the area of trafficking, people say, oh my God, that's such a big area, I can't get involved. And they go right to where the victim is and just the darkness. But the fact is there are many places that one can help. So as far as the definition, it occurs when someone uses force, fraud, or coercion to cause a commercial sex act with an adult or causes a minor to commit a commercial sex act. Now what is a commercial sex act? That includes prostitution, pornography, as which was mentioned in the video. Pornography is a huge driver of the demand, and that's what people don't understand in making that linkages to this being sex, sexual exploitation. Um, a sexual performance done in exchange of any item of value, whether it's money, drugs, shelter, foods, clothes, or anything like that. Strip, strip clubs are a part of it. So as you hopefully are starting to see, this is a multifaceted issue. We're going to talk about sex trafficking and exploitation, we have to talk about other areas as well. Next, next slide. So I'll give you some global statistics. Human trafficking, which involves all, sort, even organ trafficking, labor trafficking, sex trafficking, it is the second largest international criminal industry after drugs. Drugs is first, then there's human trafficking, and then there's arms. Actually, it actually it was the third place. Arms and guns was first, but now human trafficking is just because more and more people, especially with the internet, is, they're starting to sell girls and boys more and more. Um, it's harder to actually prosecute because the evidence is the human being. It's not drugs, it's not arms. And so it's easier for traffickers to get away with selling a human being than selling drugs or arms. 150. What that number represents on an annual basis is a $150 billion industry is human trafficking. Annually, $150 billion globally annually. Of that $150 billion, $99 billion is from sex trafficking. So this is an industry. There are countries that have their gross national product, you know, this contributes to that. Um, 4.5 is the number of human beings that are in slavery today. Of that, on an annual basis, 1.2 to 1.8 million of those are children. And this is sex trafficking. Next slide. So let's look at the United States because this is in our backyard. A lot of people, when again I say human trafficking, they think, oh, it's over there, it's in another country. That is partly true, it is over there. But the other part of that truth, it is, it's here. Okay, so in the United States, it's between 100,000 and 300,000 children that are at risk for being sold into sex trafficking and exploitation. Of that, 83% are our domestic kids. These are not kids coming from other countries. They're our kids. The average age or common age of entry is 12 to 16 years old. So my question to you is what 12-year-old or 16-year-old wakes up and says, I want to be a prostitute? I think part of us tackling this issue is we really need to redefine what we think of as a prostitute. Because no 12-year-old, 11-year-old, 8-year-old, 18-year-old has said, you know, I, I wake up and I want to sell my body. The fact is someone tricked them into going into it. And I'll get into some vulnerability so you can see that and draw that picture. Um, but when you look at a prostitute, I, 
I actually hate saying that word because God never designed us to be that. So why would I look at a person and say, oh, they're a prostitute? Why? Because when I say prostitute, I already have a negative connotation. I have made up in my mind that she wants to be there. I have made up in my mind that she is dirty. She is unclean. She is, you know, I do workshops and we start calling out the real words. I think with this issue, we have to get real. If we're not real, we're just putting a, a, you know, a cover on it. Um, and so in that, with the word, I say prostituted person. So even if in your own language today, you start saying a prostituted person, because that's the act, it's not the person. Um, and because we want that person to know that they are loved by God. And they themselves, when they even say, I am a prostitute, I want them to start having a different narrative in their life. They are not a prostitute, they are a child of God. Okay, so the 48 hours, we have a big problem of homeless youth in Oregon. In Portland, you see a lot in Portland. One in three kids or homeless youth within 48 hours will be recruited into sex trafficking and exploitation. The fact is, if you look at that child, they must be running from something. You know, maybe it's abuse in their background. Maybe they, whether it's sex abuse or neglect, they're running from something. Um, and we're, just think about even when you were that age of 12 to, to 18, you don't have a job, you don't know how to make a living, you, don't, you really want someone to protect you. Well, somewhere that for them, it failed. So they are on the streets. And unfortunately, these traffickers, they use that to exploit them. Next slide. So I put money in the center there because that, with the vulnerabilities, when the pimps and traffickers, they look at where the vulnerabilities are at, it's all about the money. You'll see um, where it's, I'm not going to say, I don't cuss, and even in secular audience, audiences, I don't use this, but M-O-B means money over bees. You know what that word means. That's actually out there. There are tattoos of that on people's skin because it's literally all about the money. It's all about these individuals being property. Um, God did not design us for that. They will actually call these girls a, a part of their stable. And what lives in stables are animals. They are not animals. So... The vulnerabilities, what makes someone vulnerable to trafficking and exploitation? Abuse, neglect. If you look, they say the majority of the girls, um, and right now there's a lot more statistics out there on girls than boys, but the fact is it happens to boys. They just have to start trying to get more information about boys so that we can share that. But they have, at least 90% of them have been, there's sex abuse or ch uh, child abuse in their background. So again, when we look at the issue of trafficking, we have to look at these other issues. Um, runaway homeless, as I mentioned, foster care, and as we know in Oregon, our foster care system is extremely broken. Uh, a lot of the kids that go into foster care, they don't trust anyway because of their background, and these exploiters know that. They know they're looking for someone to love them and to protect them and to take care of them. They are preying on our needs. Uh, when I was looking at the kids sitting down, what I saw was innocence. They prey on the innocence of people. They prey on our desires of, as human beings to want to be loved. Um, refugees and immigrants, they've been taken from their country. They don't know the language. They need a job. These, those are vulnerabilities. Poverty, someone needs to make money. Poverty, uh, I talked to a, a friend who used to be an ex, a person who was prostituted, and she said, even, Adrian, even if you don't have a pimp or trafficker that's out there with you, the fact that poverty can be your pimp or trafficker. You have no other way to make money. At-risk youth, any youth that's at-risk to me is at-risk for this, period. So if there are programs in this area that are working with at-risk youth, 
I would say they're great programs to be a part of. Um, and then let's look at our culture, our over-sexualized culture. You know, the pictures, the images, the glorification of wearing scantily cl clothes and showing um, so much flesh and uh, just the glamour, the money, our culture is a part of this. Even the commercials, when we look at commercials, I think of the Carl's Jr. commercial, it's a burger, why are you gonna have a girl in a car? That just makes no sense to me. But it's our culture. Um, and then, just take all of it out, don't think of anything else, but the girl in lack of confidence. The girl can come from a two-parent home, we know of Christian girls, and that's why I'm here with churches, because uh, I've heard of individuals say, well, they come from a healthy environment, they have two parents, it will never happen to my child. If there's a lack of confidence, that, that pimp or trafficker will find that. Um, my story is four years ago, I'm an, a grown adult woman. I was in a coffee shop in Portland, Oregon um, on Martin Luther King Street. I was getting ready to leave and this man came up to me. He was nicely dressed and he said, oh, you have a pretty smile. I'm like, oh, thank you. And he said, you know, you'd be great. I have a, a movie studio. Why don't you give me a call sometime? I'm like, oh, okay. So then I look at the card, and the card literally has little images of dollar bills on it. I thought, okay, that's really tacky. Um, but it did intrigue me enough like that, you know, looking at him, looking at the card, I'm like, okay, so I go to the website, and then the website was a MySpace page, which, you know, people even four years ago, they don't use MySpace, you know. And I'm like, okay, that's really shady. I don't know what this is, and I threw the card away. This was before I actually got into this issue area. It was six months later, I went to a presentation and heard a U.S. attorney talk about the profile of pimps. And on her PowerPoint presentation, she put up money. And that started to take me back to that interaction. And then she literally followed it up and said, they recruit on MySpace. I was like, wow, if that man had the audacity to approach me as a, a grown adult woman, how much more would he approach a child? And how much more, because there is, if you go to the next slide, the promise of modeling, of acting, and how many of our girls want that? They want to be in the limelight, they want to be, you know, Instagram, Facebook, and have people like them, they use that. So I'm here to say, in our church community, it can happen to any girl. There are girls that are more, girls and boys that are more vulnerable, yes. But the fact is, nowadays, I think if you're just a girl, if you're a human being, you are vulnerable because what they're doing is plant, spreading their seed. What I tell young girls when I'm with them is, what's to say I didn't call them up and take them on his offer? And said, oh, okay, I'll come. And what's to say they, you know, I go to his place, whether it's a studio, they give me a bottle of water or something to drink. Say it's a drug. Say I pass out. This happens. And they rape me, they take pictures of me, and they try to blackmail me. The reason I use this example is because that has happened. So I tell them, even though I'm a grown adult woman, I too am susceptible. So I have to be cautious. Um, so going into now, the ways that they recruit and groom, and that was the one way through my story, but a big thing right now is called boyfriending, so through romantic relationships. What they do, it's typically an older boy reaching out to a younger girl, and he will promise her the dream of marriage, a life together, all those things, and she'll believe him, and 
because she may have come from a broken background or even lack of confidence, and mind you, these, this is a fine young man, and you know, as he's do, you know, doting on her and giving her the attention that she wants, she starts to do things for him that she never thought she would do. And they use that. Uh, by the time they get to a point that's physical, and what I mean by that is sex, unfortunately, we have to start talking about that in church nowadays because it's happening so much. By the time it gets to that, they know they have the girl. Because the girls, what we tell when I'm out educating the girls on this is there is a chemical bond. There is what's called a, uh, a bonding agent, oxytocin, that's released. And the fact is, in scripture, God says sex is for marriage. Why? Because you are bonding. You are coming two as one. And we want these girls to know it's not, God is just not saying, you know, don't do this. This is a beautiful thing. But it's in the relationship of marriage. When it's taken outside that relationship, things like this can occur where they know they have that girl, and then from that point on, that girl does anything they want them to do. This is a huge one. I hate that I have to talk about this, but it's a fact, and we're seeing it more and more. Um, blackmail, as I described, that's one way where they will use pictures of the girl, um, saying, I, if you don't do what I want you to do, I'm going to show your youth group, I'm going to show your friends and family, and they're going to think that you're dirty. Uh, false advertising, as I said, peer recruitment. So even in schools, in Beaverton, Oregon, there was a girl who was actually in school recruiting other girls. So it's not just guys, girls as well. Um, online enticement and social media, that's actually being driven even higher because with all the different social media out there, girls are accepting friends from, you know, requests from people they don't know. And what's called phishing is basically a person can put up a fictitious profile, act as if they're a youth, befriend a girl, and one day, you know, after you communicate with someone over a period of time, you're gaining trust, right? That girl might say, even though they, you know, I'm not supposed to go meet strangers, they ended up going meet to meet that person. So social media, I would say, definitely start to become aware if you have kids, grandkids, nieces, and nephews. Um, just how I talk with kids is not about right and wrong. Because if we speak to them about what's right, what's wrong, it's, it's more, how can I break uh, a rule? It's about, how, how do you stay safe? We want you to become an independent young adult, but we want you to stay safe. So how do we do that? Uh, next slide. So where do these pimps, traffickers find victims? Wherever kids are at. So malls, I don't let my niece, who is 15, go to the mall by herself. Um, malls are huge, actually. Uh, social networks, schools, homeless, um, internet, gangs. Uh, gangs. What's happening with gangs is gangs are selling girls more. They've been doing it, but they're selling girls more and more because of what I told you before. It's harder to prosecute when you have a human being as the evidence instead of drugs and arms. So, next slide. So I know this is a, it's a dark issue, God tells us to be vigilant. The reason I'm sharing all this with you is because in his word, he tells us to be watchful. If we're not watchful, just like they were going through the, uh, the fire drill, if we don't practice, if we don't take our heads out of the sand, then we're not going to see the enemy coming, right? We need our youth to understand this. We need to be open to, you know, 
there are age-appropriate ways to share this information with kids, and, and we need to start doing that because of our world today. Um, and so I'm sharing this because we have to wake up as a church to fight this. Um, so my ministry, and it's called Justice, uh, Hope, Freedom, is to see the church equipped to seek justice, defend the oppressed, and take up the cause of the fatherless and plead the case of the exploited, which is Isaiah 1:17 that you heard even in the video, and help members live countercultural to an all things permissible culture. Our culture is a big contributor of this. Next slide. There's hope. It's a dark area, but that's we are the light. And let me tell you, I've been working in this issue area now for three years, and I just see God raising up people, and we are collaborating together. And it's not just the faith community that I see as a big um, network being raised up, but even governments and other nonprofits that are in the secular community. And what I love is that we are working together, where I, the government knows that Christians are doing work, uh, these nonprofits, and the fact is they're not, not inviting us to be at the table. They are including us. And so that, to me, is another way that we show Christ. You know, we're working on the issue area, but who's the saying these government entities or nonprofits that they don't know Christ? So for them to see that we really care about this issue and about pleading the cause of the needy and being there uh, for them and trying to help them holistically. So that's been really, really nice to see. And so ways that people can get involved, prayer. Uh, the church I go to, Village Baptist, once we start to become aware of this issue, we have um, every other month where a group of people, we just invite them to come and pray because that's where we need to be. That's the prayer, you know, the battlefield. We have to. That would be if, if I would say one place to start, that's, that's the first place. Um, awareness and education, this is a part of that. It's a part of saying let's really educate you and people on what the real issue is. Because I think for so long our culture is telling us another thing. Again, going back to the prostitute. Um, and instead of, you know, the fact is if there is someone that's being sold, there's a buyer. Let's talk about the buyer, where oftentimes we don't even shame the buyer. And I'm, you know, in a way, yeah, you, you need to be shamed. But at the same time, I know shame can keep you in that place. So we need to find healthy ways to hold someone accountable, but say, we need to help you out of this. Um, prevention, uh, that is huge, working with youth. I had law enforcement officers say, we need to really, we need to be in the schools. There are schools now saying, we need curriculum, that's a sex trafficking prevention curriculum for middle school. As I mentioned, the common age is from like 12 to 16, but I know younger girls that have um, been sold into trafficking and exploitation. So, Right now, my friend and I, we're creating a sex trafficking prevention curriculum for girls, Christian girls. And the reason it's specified that is the curriculum that's being developed for schools or that has been developed, they can't, especially because it's, you know, public school, they can't use scripture. They can't talk about what is the image of God. In fact, um, they have different agendas that I don't think any church would really allow into their church. I know I wouldn't allow it into mine. And so my friend and I, we're creating a curriculum for middle school girls and high school girls that we talk about the image of God. We talk about what, how has God designed you to be? What does our culture say that you should be? You know, um, we talk about healthy and unhealthy relationships because that gets to the boyfriending. If, you know, someone thinks that there's a healthy relationship, they don't know what an unhealthy relationship looks like, they can easily start going down a road they never thought they went down. So we talk about that. We talk about boundaries and boundary intrusions. How do you know when someone is doing that? How do you communicate to them that you don't want them to do that and they're not respecting your boundary? And we have them practice it. 
And so we're, we're creating that now, where I talked with Cheryl earlier uh, about, you know, once we create it, how we want to distribute it is by training youth leaders to facilitate that with their girls. And this is something that is not just for Portland, but it can go worldwide. One exciting thing from, you know, being in Cape Town is I spoke with some of the missionaries and one, they're in Ghana, Ghana's English speaking. That curriculum that we're creating here, we can take over to Ghana. And it's also a curriculum that can be in other languages. So prevention is huge. We need to start talking to our kids about these things. Um, ending the demand. There's an organization called EPIC. Um, Every Man prote Protecting Innocent Kids. And it's about men are creating this problem and it should be men to really help stop it. And so it's an organization that started in Portland but they're in 10 different states right now. Um, and it's about getting men involved. And what they have done is they've set up Sting so if uh, they put fictitious ads in some pages where, I won't say the name of it, but basically where it's selling an individual, and if a man calls their ad, they get another man on the line. And, and it's a Christian organization, too. Um, and basically they say, do you know what you're doing? And they start to try to educate that man who's calling in to purchase a person for, for commercial sex. So they've done that, and they're doing so many other great things. Um, also with Ending the Demand, it's about educating men. Is I'm glad they pointed it out on the video about pornography. Um, Covenant Eyes is an organization, Christian organization, that has done studies on pornography. And one, it's 68% of men outside the church that look at pornography at least once a month. You know the statistic inside the church? 67%. It's on par. So there's a huge problem. And we know that pornography is ruining relationships. It's ruining relationship one, first with Christ, with that person, but then with that person and their significant other, their partner, their wife, and families. It's even impacting kids. So we know that's happening, but it's also tied to trafficking and exploitation. So educating on what it really is to hopefully help stop that. Um, lobbying, rescue. Rescue actually... Uh, is where a lot of people go, and we say that's not where you necessarily need to be, even as a church, unless you are specifically um, equipped for that. So if you have law enforcement in your, your congregation, um, it's a really dangerous time, uh, not only for the person being rescued. One, you don't know if they want to be rescued, and there's also what's called a trauma bond. They may be rescued, but they still go back because that's their normal. Um, and so and even if they are rescued, if they go back, they probably will be in a great danger with that pimper trafficker. But then, even for yourself, you're dealing with a person taking their money away from them. So that's a very dangerous place to be, so you have to be specially equipped for that. Uh, next slide. So resources, another besides the girl empowerment curriculum, is for adults, we have a curriculum that's biblical response to sex trafficking, taking adults through a class that's five to seven weeks long. Uh, once a week for that period of time, just so that you can get, dig deeper into understanding what this issue area is. This is just an overview today, but there are different areas that we go into. Uh, next slide. So what I love this is Isaiah 61, 1 through 3. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release the darkness for the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of 
joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Amen. Amen. That's right. Come on. Can I get another amen? Amen. So we need to be there, even though I know this is a dark area, and these are some issues that we as a, as a culture don't like talking about, especially to our kids. But I love the crown of beauty instead of ashes. I, I have, you know, talked to individuals who have come out of that life, and they have a crown of ashes. They think they are worthless. But God says, no, I take that, and you are beautiful. And so who are we to look on them and shame? And I've had, you know, I've heard of them saying, I come to churches, but they judge me. So who of us is without sin? That's my first question. Who of us is without sin? How can we look at them and judge them because we have defined for them what their life has been? We, don't, we have not walked in their shoes. Yes, no, it's not a place where um, it's looked upon and we should be, but they're there for some reason. And so instead of judging them and shaming them, and that's what the enemy wants us to do, we need to say, you know what? I don't know your background, and it, if you want to share it with me, great. If you don't, I'm just here to love you and help you and take care of you holistically. Just like Christ did is sitting down at the, the well with the woman. He didn't shame her. He gave her life. And that's what we should do, is help to bring true life. And that's through Christ in this issue area. So if you go to the next slide. Transform, transformative power is only through Christ. I've, at one point in time, now I've met more, but it was something that dawned on me, is I had met four uh, survivors of sex trafficking. They're all adult women. Three of them had given their life to the Lord. One had not. And that's when I was like, wow, Lord, the three who had given their life to the Lord, you could see true transformation. They had a softness to them. Certainly, they have their issues. But there was a, a change in them. Whereas the one that had not given her life to the Lord, it was a complete hardness. I, I was just like, it was a stark contrast. And God was like, that's why we need to be there. We need to be there so that not only do they come out of it and that they're a survivor of it, but they have true transformation. And that's only through one person. That's Jesus Christ. So, you know, I know, again, it's a dark area, but, you know, this... I would say this is the one area that the enemy is starting to use worldwide. So if you're looking in communities and you look deeper, you'll see a lot of the different areas that I've talked about, whether it's child abuse, sex abuse, um, you know, pornography, uh, buying, all that, it's there. So we have to be there. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Ah. Oh, good, good, good. Oh, thank you. Oh, good. Okay. Thank you so much. And uh, I know okay. for Douglas that a lot of times real stuff. Mm-hmm. It's really the atmosphere that we've been talking about that we can be a place where people can come and find refuge and find hope. Amen.
Ah, yeah, Justice, Hope, Freedom, and I have brochures too. Amen. Thank you. 